Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, November 29th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, I hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday. And if you ventured out early this morning for the Black Friday sales, well, you are braver than I am. Honestly, I've never felt like there was any deal that warranted going shopping at 5 a.m. But that just goes to show the value that I place on sleep. Anyway, if you did go out today, thank you for supporting the bubble economy with your consumer spending. Just a quick housekeeping note. I again apologize for the echoey sound quality in the podcast. Uh, My office is virtually empty now. I'm actually moving on Monday, so I'm hoping that next week I will be in my new office space that should be much better for sound. So bear with me one more week. Hopefully we'll have good sound in the upcoming episode. So anyway, gold drifted slightly lower early in the week, but it reversed course and started moving a little bit higher yesterday. On Wednesday, Trump signed a bill into law that requires the State Department to clarify at least annually that Hong Kong retains enough autonomy to justify favorable U.S. trading terms. So this could put a monkey wrench in the trade agreement. Of course, in a couple of days, somebody's going to say something that's kind of optimistic and around the bush will go again. Honestly, every single day this week, I've seen a headline that either said gold drifts lower on trade deal optimism or, like this morning, price of gold edging higher on trade deal doubts. If this was a visual show, I would insert the shrug guy emoji right here. I've honestly about quit paying attention to the trade deal business. When there's a deal, we can analyze it. Until then, it's all speculative nonsense. So today gold seems to be edging up. As I record, we are at about 14.57 per ounce. Silver is at 17.03. Volumes are low, which you kind of expect with the Thanksgiving holiday. Oh, Speaking of nonsense, a little aside, I saw a headline as I was perusing the news this morning that grabbed my attention because it's peak nonsense. It said, why gold is headed to zero? Now, of course, gold will never be zero. That's just absurd. The focus of this article was on the potential to mine gold out of asteroids. Now, there's some speculation that these space rocks are loaded with gold, and they might be. But I think we might be a little ways off from mining asteroids. And even if that happens someday, it's going to cost a lot of money to mine in space. The very fact that we're talking about mining gold in space tells you that gold has value. This reminded me a little bit of those people who crawl out of the woodwork and claim gold has no utility from time to time. You know, it wasn't too long ago that CNBC commentator Jim Leventhal claimed gold has no uses as a metal. Never mind the fact that over 85 tons of gold was used in technology and electronics in the third quarter of this year alone. And of course, people have worn gold jewelry for decades, centuries. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. But most importantly, gold is money. So no, gold isn't going to zero. Anyway, that was just a little bit of an aside. Like I said, I saw the headline and I had to comment on it. U.S. stocks hit record highs again this week. Uh, Again, if you believe the headlines, it was mostly trade deal optimism that is driving Wall Street. But, you know, I think there might be something else, uh, Federal Reserve. 
Uh, in fact, in his podcast this week, Peter Schiff said he actually underestimated the impact QE4 would have on the markets. Wall Street likes the easy money, and despite the headlines, this is one of the behind-the-scenes factors that is pushing stocks up. The amount of money that the Fed is pumping into the financial system isn't insignificant either. In fact, the central bank just upped the amount of its repo operations. According to Bloomberg, Monday's operation to inject cash into the financial system uh, for 42 days attracted $49 billion in bids. That was almost twice the $25 billion that's available. So, of course, the Fed is now upping the amount. As of the middle of this month, the Fed balance sheet had swelled by $286 billion. That's since early September. It now is over $4 trillion. It's at about $4.5 trillion. Again, that was mid-November. You know, Peter isn't the only one who realizes that easy money is juicing the stock market. I saw an article in the Philadelphia Tribune headlined, The $4 trillion Force Propelling Stocks to Record Highs. The story quoted a former Fed official who is now CEO of Quill Intelligence. She said, quote, I don't even think it's debatable. It's patently obvious that the Fed's interventions into the market is having a huge effect on the stock market. So there you go. And this leads me to a delicious bit of irony. Now, I've talked a lot about the national debt on this podcast. It actually pushed over $23 trillion earlier this month, and really there wasn't a whole lot of news about it. Uh, when you include unfunded liabilities in the equation, the real debt number comes in at over $126 trillion. But even when confronted with this unfathomable number, most people just shrug. America has been running up debt for decades, right? Nothing bad has happened yet, right? Well, it's true. The massive national debt isn't a problem. Until it is. You know, even the Federal Reserve admits runaway deficit spending can become a problem. A paper published by the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis this week did just that. Now, you and I both know that central banks are a big part of the problem, right? They make massive deficit spending possible. So, in a nutshell... In its own paper, the Fed admitted that its own policy could lead to, quote, economic ruin. I told you, delicious irony. The paper, titled Making Sense of National Debt, explains the pros and cons of national borrowing in typical Keynesian fashion. In a nutshell, a little debt is a good thing, but too much debt can become an issue. But in the process of explaining national debt, the paper stumbles into an ugly truth. Central bank money printing can destroy a country's economy. Huh, you don't say. So, when does the national debt actually become a problem? According to the paper, debt only becomes an issue when it outpaces GDP. That's national income, as they call it. If debt grows faster than GDP, eventually the debt will become unsustainable. By the way, according to the GAO, we're already at unsustainable. So, basic economics here, rising levels of debt elevate the risk of default. When that happens, investors become wary of buying riskier government bonds. In order to incentivize buyers to take on the risk, interest rates must naturally rise. Central banks first intervene in the process by holding interest rates artificially low. This shields the overspending government from higher borrowing costs. Low interest rates also artificially stimulates the economy. That's another part of the equation. But if interest rates don't rise, foreign and domestic investors will be less inclined to buy the bonds. Enter the central bank. The paper explains how it can step in and print money in an effort to rescue the overleveraged government. Quote, 
While governments never have to entirely pay off debt, there are debt levels that investors might perceive as unsustainable. A solution some countries with high levels of unsustainable debt have tried is printing money. In this scenario, the government borrows money by issuing bonds and then orders the central bank to buy those bonds by creating printing money. History has taught us, however, that this type of policy leads to extremely high rates of inflation, hyperinflation, and often ends in economic ruin. And as the paper points out, we've seen this economic ruin play out in all of its ugliness in the uh, Weimar Republic in Germany uh, and more recently in Zimbabwe and Venezuela. The process that the paper describes, buying government bonds with money created out of thin air, is called debt monetization. And that is exactly what the Federal Reserve is doing today. We have QE going on right now. In fact, the Fed balance sheet is currently expanding faster than it did during the rounds of quantitative easing after the Great Recession. Now, in practice, quantitative easing is just a fancy term for printing money. Of course, the Fed doesn't literally have a printing press in the basement of the Eccles building running off dollar bills, but it generates the same practical effect. The Fed digitally creates money out of thin air, and it uses the new dollars to buy security and government bonds, thereby putting cash directly into circulation. QE not only boosts the amount of money in the economy, it also has a secondary function. As the Federal Reserve buys U.S. Treasury bonds, it monetizes government debt. The exact policy this paper says can lead to economic ruin. Now, this paper glibly assures us that everything will be fine here in the U.S. We don't have to worry about hyperinflation because we have an independent central bank. The government can't force the Fed to buy treasuries. Now, you can decide for yourself whether you believe in the political independence of the Fed or not. Really, in the end, it doesn't matter if the Fed monetizes the debt due to political pressure or just because the central bankers decide to do it in their own infinite wisdom. The effect of the policy is exactly the same. And political pressure or no, the Fed is all in on debt monetization. The quantitative easing program the Fed ran during the Great Recession didn't impact the markets to the degree one might expect because everybody believed the central bank policy was temporary. Remember, Bernanke even sat in front of Congress and promised it was not monetizing the debt. This was an emergency measure. The central bank would roll it back after the crisis was over. That never happened, and it's becoming increasingly clear that the Fed will never shrink its balance sheet. Quantitative easing is a permanent policy. At some point, the markets are going to figure this out, and when that happens, it will become more and more difficult to finance this debt without hyperinflation. At that point, the economy will be on the road to ruin. So, I don't know, maybe the people at the Fed should read their own paper. (laughs) The bottom line is we need to be prepared because I don't see government spending stopping anytime soon. And that means the Fed is going to have to keep monetizing the debt. If it doesn't, interest rates are going to shoot through the roof. And if it does keep printing money, well, just read the Fed's own paper. If you want to learn more about how gold can help shield you from the effects of this central bank malfeasance, Talk to a ship gold precious metal specialist today. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shipgold.com news. And if you haven't done it already, uh, make sure you subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links to all that stuff on the show notes page. Thank you for listening. Have a lovely Black Friday, 
and I'll talk to you next week.